It's good to see you all this morning. My name is Andrew Martin. I'm the youth pastor here at Christ the King, and it is my privilege uh, to be able to welcome you uh, to worship together this morning. It is good for us to be together, and I'm so glad uh, to see you. And as, you, as we open the uh, Lord's Word together this morning, we're going to be continuing our summer sermon series in the book of Psalms. So I invite you to turn there in your Bibles uh, to Psalm 146, Psalm 146. And if you don't have your Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to uh, turn your attention to the screens overhead where the text of this psalm will be displayed. And as we, as we walk through this psalm together, we're going to be asking ourselves this question. In our time of need, who do we ultimately trust for help and for deliverance? That's the question we're going to be exploring this morning. And that is the question that Psalm 146 is going to address so join me now, brothers and sisters, as we read the Lord's word together. Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning to praise you and to worship you, and we thank you for this privilege that you have given us. And Lord, as we, as we read your word this morning, we pray that you would give us all the more reason to praise you all of the days of our lives. And we also ask that you would shape our hearts to praise you more and more because we trust you more and more. And we thank you that all of this is possible and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, during my junior year in college, we began the process of preparing for graduation and of beginning our new careers as young officers in the U.S. Navy or Marine Corps that was going to follow thereafter. And so our school wanted to help prepare us for this, for this transition that we were approaching. And so one, one day they held a luncheon. They held a luncheon where experienced officers from the Navy and the Marine Corps were assigned to different tables with small groups of students. And during our, our lunch with them, we were able to ask questions and discuss different things that we were thinking about as we, as, we project, as we anticipated the different challenges that we were going to be facing. And at our table, the, the topic of conversation turned to the issue of trust. It turned to the issue of, of who could we trust while we were going about our efforts to perform the duties that were going to be assigned to us. And one of my classmates asked the officer at our table about what kind of person he put his trust in when he was out on different assignments. 
Now, the, this particular officer was a Navy SEAL, and he was intimately familiar with how important it is to be able to trust the people that he was going out into harm's way with. And so he took this question very seriously, and he gave us an incredibly thoughtful answer. And this was very good because he was wisely engaging in asking himself the question of, who can I trust? Who can I place my hope in in my time of need? Who can I trust to help me when I need it the very most? And this question that he was engaging in, this question that he was asking himself and that he was helping us to think through is the same question that Psalm 146 is inviting us into. In Psalm 146, the Lord is calling us to examine who do we trust? Where do we place our hope? Who do we look to for help in our lives? And Psalm 146 declares that there are people in whom we should not place our trust. Look in verse 3. It says, put not your trust in princes. Psalm 3 is, is calling, verse 3 is calling us to not trust in princes. And when it talks about princes in this passage, it's referring to those with power. It's not simply talking about people who are in a royal position. It, it does mean that. But in our day, it also means those with financial or political, or military, or social power, and high standing. One commentator explains that this term for us today refers to the influential. And Psalm 146 goes on to explain this call to turn from trusting in princes, to turn from trusting in powerful, influential people. Look back in verse 3. It says, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Verse 3 calls us to not trust in princes because they cannot provide salvation. Now, when we hear this term salvation, different terms and different concepts probably come through our minds. And in this psalm, salvation refers to the deliverance that we are looking for. When we seek help or when we seek support in the midst of difficult or dangerous situations in this life. And Psalm 146 is calling us to turn from placing our trust in the influential because they cannot deliver or save us. Now, this, this may actually be a little confusing for us because we see places in the Bible where influential people do give help and they do provide deliverance for people. I mean, think about uh, Genesis in chapter 47 and, and the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph, who became a mighty, influential man in Egypt, the number two guy in charge. And if you know this story, you know that Joseph used his power and he used his resources to deliver and save his people from starving during an intense famine. And so we may feel and wonder whether the Bible is contradicting itself when we see stories of influential leaders helping to save their people, like Joseph on the one hand, set along Psalm 146 and the call to not trust in princes because they cannot save us? And this is a good question. It's, a, it's an important issue for us to consider. And the key to understanding the relationship between Psalm 146 and stories like those of Joseph is that while influential people are involved in giving help in those other stories, those people are not the ones who ultimately provide the deliverance. 
when you read the story very carefully and see who the author points to as the ultimate source of the deliverance that is described there, the buck doesn't stop with the people who are involved. When you read those stories carefully, we see that there is actually a, pow- a higher power that is at work. And so there's actually no contradiction at all between stories like those of Joseph and, and, and this psalm. And Psalm 146, and the reason for that is because Psalm 146, verse 3, is talking about situations where we do expect the buck to stop with those princes. It's calling us to not trust in princes in a way where we do rely on them as the ultimate source of our deliverance. And this has been a challenge for God's people throughout history. When we read the Bible, we see the Israelites constantly turning to human princes like King Saul, who we saw in our 1 Samuel series, or other human powers looking to them for ultimate deliverance and ultimate help, expecting for the buck to stop with them. And we are tempted to do the exact same thing. In our time of need, we often place our trust in merely human princes for our ultimate deliverance. And it's easy to understand why we do this, right? I mean, think about it. It appears as if the princes are the world, of the world are the ones that can actually deliver us in our time of need. After all, that's, that's what makes them influential, right? They, they have their status, and they have their position, and they have their influence because they do have power. They do have resources. They do have many of the things that we are looking for when we are seeking someone in whom to place our trust. And we've seen Scripture describe this reality that they do have power, and that sometimes they're involved in delivering people. And yet, in the face of all this, Psalm 146 still calls us to not place our ultimate trust in these merely human princes. And here's why. It calls us to this because the Lord would have his people trust in someone who they can ultimately depend on. And friends, the princes of this world are not that someone. Look in verse 4. Talking about the princes, talking about the influential, it says in verse 4, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Commenting on this passage, one theologian observed how every prince, no matter how rich and powerful, at the end of the day is a mere man. They ultimately have no power to command or to fight or to buy their way out of death. Every prince will perish. And all of their plans and power will perish with them. And friends, those who have placed their ultimate trust in these princes will see their hope perish as well. The perishing princes of this world cannot provide ultimate deliverance. John Calvin summarized it this way. He said, those who put their trust in men depend upon a fleeting breath. And brothers and sisters, our God loves his people too much to allow us to stand around grasping at the wind. And for many of us, this this very blunt declaration that the world's perishing princes cannot help us can feel very discouraging. It can feel very discouraging because our culture that we live and breathe and swim in every day revolves around putting our ultimate trust in people. We hear it expressed in common phrases like, it's not what you know, it's 
who you know. That's right. And in every sphere of our lives, news anchors, movies, songs, YouTube advertisements, political ads and campaigns, our neighbors and our co-workers are often proclaiming that who you need to know and trust in for your ultimate help are the powerful people of this world. We hear it all the time. Whether it's a politician who vows to protect us with their policies or a business person who seeks to deliver us with a product that they have developed. The culture often calls us to place ultimate trust in these princes. And when Psalm 146 speaks into this whirlwind of voices and refutes the only source of hope our culture has to offer, it can leave us feeling anxious. It can leave us feeling desperate. It leaves us feeling this way because although the culture cannot provide a solution, it often very accurately describes our need. You see, in this world, we are all needy. It is about who you know. We should look for someone to trust in for help and deliverance. And when you have a need with no solution, anxiety and desperation begin to set in. And they can set in hard. I imagine many of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're visiting with us in person today or you are listening to the recording or you're joining us via the live stream and maybe you've already begun to suspect that the culture's solution for our need is futile. You've begun to suspect that placing ultimate trust in the princes of this world leads to a dead end where you're left grasping at the wind. And you feel the tension of seeing many needs pressing in from behind you and all around you while being immersed in a culture that offers nowhere to turn and take hold of for true help. And friends, this is where Christianity, this is where the Bible is able to provide an answer for our anxiety. This is where the Lord meets us in our desperation and provides the only true solution to our need. You see, Psalm 4 does not end, excuse me, Psalm 146 does not end with verse 4. It goes on and it accomplishes what no other culture or person or society or institution has ever been able to successfully accomplish. This psalm points to hope for any person who feels stuck. It shows who to trust for true hope and ultimate deliverance. It shows that the solution is placing our trust in the Lord. Look in verse 5. It says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Friends, this is the answer for weary, needy people looking for someone to trust. The Lord, the one true God of Scripture. And the Lord can be trusted because he has the ultimate power to deliver. I mean, look in verse 6. It says, The Lord is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. The Lord's power is seen in the fact that he is the almighty maker. He spoke and by his powerful word, he created all of us and all of the things that we see around us. And it's easy to take this power for granted. It's easy to take it for granted because we're immersed in creation all the time. We see it every day. We begin to miss the power. It becomes a blind spot for us. But theologian John Frame he helps to revive our amazement and our wonder at the power of God that we see in creation. 
In one of his books, he says this about the Lord. He says, the Lord sovereignly issues commands in Genesis 1, and even things that do not exist obey him by springing into being. The Lord can be trusted because his power in creating all things shows us that he has the ultimate power to provide deliverance in all things. And the psalmist goes on to show that not only does the Lord have ultimate power, he can also be trusted to bring deliverance because he is ultimately dependable. Look in verse 6 again. The Lord who made heaven and earth, the sea and in all that is in them, it is this Lord who keeps faith forever. He is ultimately trustworthy. He keeps his promises. He is faithful to deliver those who place their trust in him. And the Lord's powerful, faithful deliverance will never, ever cease. Look in verse 10. It says, The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. The princes of this world will perish, but the Lord will never die. And so we can always count on his deliverance. And in verses 7 through 10, it goes on to describe in vivid detail how the eternal Lord faithfully uses his power to deliver his people. Look in verse 7. It says, The Lord is the one who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Did you hear that common theme? The eternal Lord faithfully uses his power to help and deliver vulnerable people who are in great need. And this is a beautiful image. And yet, even here, surrounded by all this glorious good news of the Lord's word, even here, icy cold doubts can begin to creep into our minds. We begin to doubt that trusting the Lord, even though it said all these things about him, we begin to doubt that trusting him is any better than trusting in perishing princes. Because while these powerful princes perish, it can feel at times like the eternal powerful Lord is passive. We see many who claim to trust the Lord staggering under the weight of their many needs. I mean, look in verse 8. It says, the Lord opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. And we know that there are many who are bowed down. We see that they are going through these struggles, and yet it doesn't seem like the Lord is actually lifting them up, like it says in verse 8. What we see and experience in our lives sometimes doesn't seem to align with what we're seeing in God's word about the help that he promises. You ever experienced that? I have. I'm sure you have. And one way that the Lord helps us, one way that he kindly helps us to trust him for deliverance in these times of icy cold doubt and trouble is by reminding us how he has faithfully delivered his people throughout time. Whether it was bringing his people home like he promised, bringing them home from exile in the Old Testament books that we see happen in, in Ezra and Nehemiah, or bringing his people out of slavery in the book of Exodus. 
we see God actively, not passively, but actively fulfilling his promises to deliver his people every single time. His people were in slavery for 400 years, but God kept his promise to deliver them. And in fact, from Genesis 3, the place where Adam and Eve first sinned, where trouble first entered into the world, the entire Bible is an account of the Lord's saving action in the world. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, if you go back and look at that, we will see that the Lord promises to send a Savior to deliver his people from sin and to defeat evil. And from Genesis 3 on, the entire story of the Bible, the entire ark is moving and leading up to the time when the Lord faithfully and powerfully fulfilled this promise of ultimate deliverance by sending his son, Jesus. And it is Jesus who makes it possible for us to trust in the Lord to deliver us in our times of need. You see, because of our sin, our natural tendency, our default in times of trouble is to turn away from the Lord and to trust in things that perish. And because we have turned from the Lord in our sin, we, we actually do not deserve to be delivered from those troubles. Instead, we deserve to be delivered over to death as the ultimate punishment for these sins. I'm going to tell you, that's uncomfortable to say. Because I don't like to hear that, and I know none of you do. And I'm pretty willing to bet no one out there likes to hear it either. But Lord, that is, y'all, that is the truth of the Bible. And in the midst of that hard, deep, dark truth, the truth and the good news of the gospel is even brighter and more brilliant than even that. No matter how far down our sins may go, the grace of the Lord goes deeper and higher and wider. You see, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus entered into the world, and like us, he walked through life's troubles. But unlike us, he did not turn away from the Lord. No, Jesus was the only one to perfectly trust in the Lord. And we see this happen in Mark chapter 14, as he prepared to go to the cross. Right before he was betrayed, Jesus knew what was coming. He was a man of his day. He knew what crucifixion meant. And he went to pray in a garden, in the garden near Gethsemane. And on that night, it tells us in Mark 14 that he was greatly distressed, that he was troubled. And he said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. And in the midst of that trouble, he asked that the cup of God's wrath and judgment against sin would be taken away from him so that he would not have to drink it by being humiliated before the world and nailed to the cross. And in the Gospel of Matthew, it makes it very clear that Jesus could have turned away from that trouble. He could have asked his Father to send the angel armies of heaven to rescue him from the cross. But that's not what Jesus did. You see, Jesus did speak and cry out to his Father but he did not cry out asking for angels to rescue him. When he spoke to the Lord, Jesus said, Yet not what I will, but what you will, Lord. Let your will be done. In the time of his greatest trouble, Jesus trusted in the Lord. And out of this trust, he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross and to die in our place and to pay the price for every time that we have ever turned away from trusting in the Lord. But unlike the princes of this world whose plans perish with them, when Jesus, the King of kings, 
perished on the cross. His plan to save us did not perish. No, on the cross, in his death, his plan to save us was accomplished through his death and through his return from the grave three days later. You see, through his death and resurrection, Jesus has given us the ultimate deliverance by paying the price for our sins and defeating our ultimate enemy, that of death. He has sent then the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to not only hear this truth, but to believe it and to turn to him and to trust in him for this ultimate hope, this ultimate help. And because this gift of life in Jesus will last forever, we can always be hopeful because the reign of King Jesus will last forever. And friends, in Psalm 46, when it calls us to trust in the Lord, as those who live on this side of the empty tomb, we see that it is ultimately calling us to place our trust in Jesus, a good and powerful and faithful Lord. And because Jesus trusted we are able to trust. And when we trust in him, we not only receive help for our sins, but we also receive all of the other kinds of help that we saw described in verses 7 through 10. What does that mean for us today? How does that shape us? How does it make a difference? Well, like that SEAL officer who sat at our table years ago, we need someone we can trust for help in our time of trouble. And in this world, friends, you don't need me to tell you that we all experience great trouble. I mean, look again at verse 8. It says, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Can you relate to that? The experience of, of being bowed down, of being worn down and weary from the troubles of life? Is that something you've experienced? I know that, that many of us can. Many of us are struggling as we bear the heavy packs of life's struggles and sorrows upon our backs. At, at times it feels like we are barely able to stand as our knees wobble and shake and we groan beneath the weight of the troubles that we experience. We're, we're doubled over, we're, we're panting for breath and in those times we need someone that we can trust in to help us. And Psalm 146 points to King Jesus as that someone. You see, Jesus has the power to help us. If Jesus, through whom all things were created, and the one who overcame death, if he is so powerful that he can do those things, to do something that no other powerful prince has ever been able to do, then there is nothing that we will ever face that has more power than King Jesus. And if Jesus can be depended on to help us, because if Jesus has shown that he is so faithful and that he is so dependable, that he was willing to meet our greatest need and deliver us from death by going to the cross in our place, when we see him do that, it gives us rock-solid assurance that we can be sure he will be faithful and dependable to help us in the midst of any other needs or trouble that may bow us down in this life. And that is what he says he will do. Look in verse 9. It says, The Lord upholds the widow and the fatherless. He upholds needy widows and orphans. Like the needy widow and orphan, Jesus, by the power of his Spirit, holds us up. He enables us to carry on. He helps us to trust him to help us endure in the midst of all the troubles that are going on today. 
while trusting him to one day bring these troubles to an end when he returns. Whether, whether you have followed Jesus for decades and are having your trust in him renewed, or whether you are turning the trust in Jesus for the very first time today, friends, may he be the one, may Jesus be the one in whom we place our ultimate trust for deliverance and help because he is able and he is faithful to do so. And, and as we trust in him, may our heartfelt trust in Jesus lead to heartfelt praise for Jesus. And this is where we're going to end. This is the call that we receive at the beginning and at the end of this psalm. Look in verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Go down to the very end of verse 10. It says, praise the Lord. This is a call for all of God's people to praise him. And in verse 2, he says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The psalmist is declaring that he will praise the Lord as he sings and as he celebrates the goodness of who God is and what he has done. And he will sing of this goodness for his entire life. And we know what it looks like to lift up our voices in praise for someone. That's something our culture rightly does very, very well. I saw an amazing example of this back in 2010. The uh, Miami Heat, which is an NBA basketball team, were holding a welcome party at American Airlines Arena in Miami as they welcomed Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and LeBron James to join their team. And during this party, the announcer took his microphone and he shouted, y'all stand up and make some noise! And the people did, and it was deafening. And they did this because when they were talking about um, why they had brought these players to the Miami Heat, it was because they had hope that they would win NBA championships for their city. And when asked about this hope, they said, hey, LeBron, you said you've come to win these championships for the city, but you said you didn't just come to win one, right? And he goes, no, I didn't come to win one. Y'all may have heard this. He said, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. And people are just going crazy. He said, I have come to win many championships. And when he said that, the crowd went wild. And they were doing this because they were hoping in their champion to deliver on the promises of championships that he had come to give them. And this was before he had even delivered on those championships. Y'all, if that is the kind of praise and the kind of fanfare those players receive due to the hope of delivering championship rings that will rust and perish over the years, rings that had not yet even been won and delivered, how much more should we praise the Lord for the help and ultimate victory he has already given us by delivering us from death? A victory that will last for all eternity and for the help he has already begun and continues to give us to endure and to trust in him until he returns and we taste the full sweetness of that victory. May we all stand and sing and lift our voice in praise to our trustworthy Lord and Deliverer on Sunday morning during worship, and in every moment of every day of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we thank you that you are a God who is praiseworthy because you are a God who is trustworthy. You have given us our ultimate help that we need and rely on in King Jesus. 
He has gone to the cross and through his power has overcome what no one else has ever been able to do. And through that power and through that demonstration of faithfulness on the cross, he continues to be faithful to us. Lord, thank you that that is the kind of God that is praised and sung of in Psalm 146. And we pray that you would now shape us to be people who also praise you, who also trust in you and look to you for deliverance and for help and for hope, no matter what we may face. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.